and welcome to the Midlands Football Show brought to you by Prost International. I'm Alex Woods and I am joined this week by Mr. George Wilson. Hello, Alex. And Mr. Harry Tizard. Hello, Alex. How are you doing this week? That's what I want to know. I am very, very good. I love it when you're in this mood, Harry. You're just so ready for this and you make me laugh every week. Yeah, yes, I'm absolutely fabulous. Um, of course, as you probably have mentioned, I did not mention somebody else. Um, unfortunately, no Nikita Genshel Holmes this week. Genshel Holmes? Genshel Holmes, Genshel Holmes, did you say? Genshel Holmes. No idea who that is. Um, no absolute clue. Um, yeah, unfortunately, no Nikita this week. Um, I will apologise for butchering her name yet again. She will hate me yet again. It's absolutely fine. I do miss her laugh whenever I ruin her name, though. It's it's unfortunate. But, boys, how, how are we? George, you didn't get thumped 7-0 this week. No. Um... It was interesting, actually, because last Saturday I was thinking it was nice to not have my Saturday ruined by a Norwich result, but they went and ruined my Sunday instead. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it, it wasn't surprising. I think I, I teed it up, um, not on the podcast, but certainly off it. I didn't expect us to get anything against Leeds, and conveniently that was how it turned out. But I did have a nice weekend. I went to watch... Burton Albion under 18s reporting on that game. They won 5 1 at Doncaster. They're on a bit of a roll. Um, they've got Sheffield Wednesday actually in the FA Youth Cup on the night that this should be going out. Um, so I am excited for that to take place, I have to say. I'm, I'm trying to put a more positive spin on things rather than talk about Norwich. Cause yeah, of for, course. for Norwich, is only losing 2 1 starting to feel like a bit of a positive because it's like, do you know what? We're being more competitive in games. No, I'm, I'm not. What was not it like when that. you heard and read that Norwich had actually scored a goal? He was there. I was there. Alex. Oh, you were. I apologise. I had. No, it's okay. I had the. Um, I had the excitement for the two minutes that we were level. Um, and then it quickly disintegrated. Um, but no, if 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 anything, if anything, if anything, the two-one felt worse than the Chelsea defeat. Obviously, the Chelsea defeat was humiliating, but we ultimately thought we would lose that game. Whereas Leeds had only won one game before playing us. I think that's right, anyway. Um, so that was ultimately the game we needed to get something from, and we didn't. So. See, I love it when you're excited, so I can't wait till Norwich actually when they take a lead into a game. The problem is we don't see you when when you're in the Championship, obviously because it was COVID and stuff like that. You didn't go to any games this week. I don't see you on weekends anymore because you're always, you're up and down the country, which I do highly respect. In all fairness, so yeah, I mean fair play. I haven't led a game all season, Harry. But so you will do at some point. Maybe and that's, maybe that's at some beauty. point. You did play Newcastle in a couple of weeks, so like and Southampton. So and Southampton, yeah. There's right. going to be some cross-level Midlands podcast derbies as we. As we there say. definitely will be. I'm going to very very much look forward to that. Uh, we've already had a Midlands um, podcast derby when um, obviously my Newcastle took on Harry's Southampton. Um, that didn't break the podcast, did it? No, no, we were okay. So. Yeah. Oh, I mean, 2-2, two, two, I think we both sort of... I mean, you wouldn't have taken that at the time because yep. ni- 95th minute you were 2 and up and then Warprowse sticks a penalty into the corner. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that meant that you're not win. Uh, sorry, you didn't have a win so far this season. So, yep. yeah, that's the closest you came, though. So you're getting you're getting there. No, the Watford game was pretty close as well. We were pretty close at yeah, Watford. Yeah, true, true. Um, but, uh, again, we were just terrible. Jacob um, Murphy, great finish. I, I, yeah, yeah. The less said about Jacob Murphy, the, the better. Um, <laughs> we still don't have a manager. Um, we were embarrassed midweek by rumours, um, and we're a football club that thinks we can run before we can walk. So, hey, that's Newcastle United for you. Yeah. What more do you want, uh, boys? You don't want anything else. Uh, Harry Southampton, um, the... Fullback that we said earlier on in the season was going to be an absolute baller has proven to be a baller. Can we just um, say that you're now officially the Midlands podcast talent scout? I mean, what can I say? I said it from day one. When he uh, made his debut, he got an assist with his first touch. That wasn't a friendly. I can't remember who it was against, actually, when he teed up to Theo Walcott. And at that very moment, I said, this guy, he's going to be something different. And he's, he's done just that. I mean, he's up for the Player of the Month awards for October as well and he, he had another fantastic game this game he didn't get an assist but 
We beat Watford 1-0. We're firmly away from the relegation zone now. Adams has done exactly what I said he would do on one of my own personal podcasts, that once he scores one, he'll then score in the next game and then possibly the game after that. And he did it with a a sublime finish. Utterly disgusting. I mean, yes, he did miss from four yards out the time (laughs) after, but that that sums up Che Adams. He will do an absolute peach of a goal. You see, he didn't score for 28 games until he scored against Manchester City. How does he do it from the halfway line? Yeah, that's what he wants. That's what he likes to do. And uh, one of your your old boys, uh, Adam Armstrong, set it up as well. So we should have won by three or four on another day. That will cost us not scoring more. But if we keep a clean sheet and we score one, then that's three points on the table. And that's all that I care about is getting wins in the pocket at the moment. Yeah, that's all that Aston Villa fans would care about as well. Unfortunately, we can't give them one Mm. as they suffered a heavy defeat uh, this weekend. West Ham, 4-1 loss. Concert sent off. Declan Rice being proving he's an absolute baller. Um, guys, was it the fact that Aston Villa are, are looking really poor, or is it that West Ham are very, very good? Probably a little bit of both. Mm. It, it wasn't pretty, was it? I, I know that's not the answer you wanted me to give you. Um, I do like a lot of. Sorry, the, sorry to any headphone users there because that hurt my ears. I went too close to the mic. Um, <laughs> I do like what West Ham are doing. But I think Villa still would have looked at that game beforehand thinking, having been in the form that they have at Villa Park, they needed to get something. Um, it just didn't go to plan at all. And I think the pressure is building a little on Dean Smith now. You can, you can sense there's a bit of tension there. Um, we hoped for them that with Grealish gone, they had maybe turned that corner with a few of the results they had early on. Um that game against Southampton on Friday now looks like a big one for Smith. It's going to be big without Konza as well. I mean, they dropped Tyro Mings for the game against West Ham. What are your guys' opinions on that? Because for me, he didn't really perform up until this game. And I thought he was going to be one of those undroppable characters. You don't really see a captain getting dropped. So Dean Smith seriously wouldn't have been rating his performances for the villains this season if he chose to do that. That he did choose to do as well. I rate it, me. I absolutely do. It sends a message throughout the squad. No one, not one of you is undroppable. Every single one of you can be sat on this bench. Every single member of this squad is needed. I'll do what I want. It it sends a message to the dressing room of Dean Smith, from Dean Smith. I think it does. I think it's brilliant. Do you think he'll be coming straight back in after shipping four? Yes. You do think so? What what does that then say? This is the thing, like, Obviously, if, if he performs in training afterwards, he has a he has a word with Tyro Mings and and does that lot. And Mings then says, "Well, hang on a minute, I'm I'm pro- providing that I'm better in training. I I should get my start back." Then hey, it might be there. Obviously, if it's stuff behind closed doors and there's a personal problem with Mings and uh, between him and Smith, then we'll see it this weekend. But I, I couldn't really give any reason why he shouldn't come straight back in. I mean, you look at it. The sending off obviously means it's going to either be him or Twanzebe, or both of them, depending if they want to go for a three-back. But after that game against Arsenal, I can't see them reverting to such a narrow formation. Or even though they had wing-backs, it seemed very narrow. Cause the, 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 or, there's no width whatsoever. So I can see, yeah, Ming's coming back in on the left-hand side. Twanzebe maybe sitting a, a couple of games out. But I, I think Alex was going to pose the question to you, George, but I, I'll do it because I'm in the middle of my speech at the moment. Was it a red card for Esri Konza? Because for me, I think he's last man. And I also think that Courtney Hawes, I believe it was, is a bit lucky not to get a red card for his elbow earlier in the move as well. Yeah, I think you make a good point about Courtney Hawes. I think in a situation like that, one of them is probably going to see red ultimately. Um, I think there was a bit of a bit of a question mark over whether Konza was that player who should have been sent off whether like you say the horse incident which was um, just before it because it was further up the pitch wasn't it but mm. still not a good not a good position um, I think you could definitely argue that should have been a red um, and I think Villa couldn't have too many complaints about it Alex you're shaking your head no I, I agree that like, I didn't think it was a red card originally um, that that's just me. But then, um, like, the elbow situation, I I don't understand why that wasn't brought back as well. 
I don't think VAR, if there's if there's a secondary foul in a build-up, cancels out the first one. Uh, otherwise, there'd be um, cynical challenges left, right, and centre before a serious mm. one was done. And I don't really know. Like the the officiating overall in that game was very poor. Yeah, but in all fairness, you have to have, and maybe at Premier League level, that's why they're there. You have to have serious bottle to send off two centre backs of the same team. Yeah, if there's uh, back to back, but they couldn't have done. Could seconds. they have sent both of them off? Yeah, of course they sure. could. If if because uh, it's in one move. If no, one but surely, is... but surely, if they if they had said to send off Courtney Hawes, then if they send him off, then they're admitting to a mistake in not picking up on it initially but, but that, that's the point of VAR is that uh, you do you pick up that mistake initially yeah but by picking up on the mistakes they're, they're saying that the ball shouldn't have got as far to the point where Conser would have made his challenge however I'm it, not sure they would have said both of them how, it depends how far it goes because I didn't I didn't think this was going to get a mention in this podcast but when Saints lost 9-0 to Leicester yes Bertrand got a sending off and in the same move Leicester scored and you go well if he gets the sending off do they admit that that was actually a foul where they didn't see that was a foul and then the ball wouldn't have got to the but, the goal and it depends which way you look at it but that's the point of playing advantage as well is Villa clearly had an advantage in the move when the when the initial foul was completed so the referee played the advantage and then there was a secondary foul there just because there was an advantage doesn't mean the final can't be then brought back and booked. You see it all the, all the time for when yellow cards are done. So why can't it be a red? Yes, mm. I agree with what Harry said that it would have taken serious bottle, absolute serious bottle at home as well yeah. at Villa Park to send off two two centre backs or two defenders. Sorry, in that move that would have been unbelievable. But it probably should have happened. I'm not sure the referee dealt with it too badly. No, obviously the 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 one yeah, the one red card is is there and it's fine and all that lot. I didn't personally think that was a sending off. I think that one was a sending off, and mm. I think he sent the wrong player off, in my opinion. Ooh. But there again, uh, these things happen. If you're going to send off Mings, personally, you should send off. Uh, sorry, if you're going to send off Concert, you should personally send off um, House as well. Mm. IMO, that's just me. Um, speaking of Tyrone Mings, he has just uh, received an England call up. Yeah, I mean that that is factual that is true I'm not I'm not really surprised he's the, he's a left footed centre back I think he's the only one in the squad let let me be mistaken in that if I am and I think that's part of the reason that he keeps getting in there obviously you know Gareth Southgate likes having senior figures that have consistently been in there so I definitely think that's a factor and it would be a big move to then take him out to put a, a Ben White in there even though he was at the Euros or, or another centre back that's been playing well so I could see him getting in the next few but if Aston Villa start teetering around those relegations zone even even more than they are because let's be honest if Burnley, Leeds and Watford all win I don't know if only the three are t- playing against each other but in a ridiculous circumstance that all three of those teams win and Aston Villa lose on Saturday, uh, on Friday night sorry they will be in the relegation zone and that is a serious worry for Dean Smith serious worry very very big worry we'll keep an eye on, on Aston Villa and Dean Smith um, what you should have also kept an eye out for this weekend is an unbelievable save or something that was deemed an unbelievable save <laughs> in the Leicester-Arsenal game that we obviously finished with Leicester on the losing side 2-0. Arsenal have kicked into gear after a slow start to the season um, and Leicester still are conceding goals for fun. It was weirdly comfortable. I don't know what it was or at least in the first 45 minutes I was expecting Leicester to show a bit more fight than what they did but when, when Arsenal score after five minutes and then Smith-Rowe gets the second under 20 it just sort of felt like well this is this is just the way the game's going to go it's just an utterly professional performance of Arsenal but yet quite a disappointing one from a Leicester team that seemed to be on a a bit of a a resurgence but then Arsenal a resurgence of themselves they're up to sixth now yeah I'm, I'm I'm not too sure what to make of this performance from Leicester if it was a bit of a day off whether Arsenal were fantastic whether it was due to the fact that Ramsdale had a fantastic performance I don't really know how to evaluate this one for the Foxes well I mean uh, right look at it look at it from this point then if Ramsdale's absolute miracle save goes in they're two uh, they're back in the game they've just got a worldy of a goal from either a Madison free kick or, or Johnny Evans tap him they're back in it momentum's back up doing that like they had their opportunities as you say I think it was Aaron Ramsdale was just proving how very good at football he is and he's, he's had a, a very, great start at Arsenal yeah a very very good goalkeeper and everybody always thought he would he would take that next level when he's had that opportunity and he's 
He's keeping a World Cup winner out of the team. I think it was almost one of those days, it sounds cliche, but getting past a keeper is virtually impossible. I, yeah. I think he he was in that good shape yeah. um, and he'd had so many good performances in the lead up to it. I know in terms of the save, Alex, you, you mentioned it when you introduced that game. You're not sold on the, I'm not. I'm not sold on it, um, I, I must admit. I... I I've listened back to our podcast and I tend to have one moan of an episode and this is I think is going to be the moan it wasn't that good right he made the the free kick save was a good save to tip it onto the bar but it was one of them camera saves he made it look so much better than it was yeah I agree yeah. and then the the floor save unbelievable honestly to get uh, you right by the front front post to turn your body around and almost be in a sitting position to stop it massive against Johnny Evans is unbelievable that's that's the best bit about that save not the free kick save it's the Johnny Evans follow up thing I think is is better but the praise it got like Schmeichel gave it the seal, oh, seal of no. approval especially when it when it, they're playing his son as oh <laughs> no I think there's only a certain level that a free kick save should be I don't think you could have an, an unreal free kick save because there's there's only one place the ball can really go in the goal and yeah. that's in the top corner I know that sounds really strange but keepers a lot of the time take a foot to the left and they can always palm it I think Ramsdale personally anyway started too far across to his own side maybe that was because he wants to protect the other side of the goal because he knows that players can go in the opposite corner but yeah I thought it was a it was a solid save. it was a good save it was a good yeah. save but that's something I, I was going to stress before you said it we, we have to it really was a good save yeah. we're just, we just disputing the a lot idea of that, it's that it was the best day. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I'm not even going to I'm not even going to have that it was like save of the season yet. The thing is he palm, if he palms it wide I don't think anyone says it because he flicks it onto the bar. Yeah, that's it. I think any, it anytime drops. the ball rebounds off of something yeah. it makes it look absolutely unbelievable. I think the Leicester fans will be pleased that we're all agreeing on this one because they're probably sick of hearing about an, an effort that didn't go in the net mm. yeah. the, on what was a miserable day for them but they've got Spartak this evening obviously the, people will know the result to that when this goes out um, and then Leeds on Sunday which could be difficult but then again Leeds are not in great shape I think they'll win both games you think so? I think I think we'll be we'll be back here this time next week discussing that Leicester won two games now and that they're back on track for possibly the third time this season that we've we've tried mentioning them that we they're back see. on track is we shall a, see obviously is it a must win for Leicester in the Europa League before we quickly cover that because they're third at the moment one win one draw one loss and they're coming up against what at the moment is the team at the bottom of the table is it a must win or is it just a must win is it in Moscow no no they no. won in Moscow it's two weeks Power. ago didn't they so it's, so it's the Kim Power yeah. so yeah it's a must win game I think they will win it. As like, well, you've agree. got to win that game. I don't know, but I'm not sure it's dead cert they'll beat Leeds though. Even even though Leeds were you know not great at Carrow Road, they they deserve to win, but they weren't great. I think they're a different proposition at home, and I think to go there with that home crowd is more difficult than some may suggest. I don't know. I'm not saying Leicester aren't capable. I'm just saying it'll be a tough. Tough ask. And also, they might have Calvin Phillips back because he's been named in the England squad, so he must yeah. be near yeah. full. And he played well. at Carrow Road, ninety exactly. minutes. So. And um, yep, speaking of um, home stats and everything like that, excluding signs relegated last season, no Premier League team has lost more home games than Leicester since the start of 2020-21 season. Really? Mm. That's that's eleven, by the way. It's quite eleven surprise. home games that, that they've, they've lost. lost. Yeah. Only, only Everton and Burnley have uh, have lost exactly the same amount, but that's because Everton have lost four home games this season, mm. and Burnley are just Burnley have just ended a terrible run. Yeah, that's Burnley a, have that's just a ended an absolute that, I have to disgusting say. run. Um, yeah. Obviously, Arsenal have won their longest unbeaten streak since 2020 as well. So that's that's since 2020. That's not that's not a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. but it's February 2020. So I thought you were like, about to say since. The nineteenth of October two thousand seven. They did. Oh yeah, Arsenal did go on a run of like twenty six games unbeaten, which was ended by Southampton. Anyway, you can had to get that in. Yeah, had to get that little dig in. Had to get that little dig in. Sorry for <laughs> any Arsenal fans listening. I don't know why we'd yeah. be where we would apologise. You probably listened to the wrong podcast, guys. Yeah. We're not going to mention Arsenal much more. Um, Wolves. We'll move on to Wolverhampton Wanderers, the only Midlands Premier League team to win a game this weekend. Two one win over Everton. The struggling Toffees. 
Um, but uh, it doesn't matter. Those pesky Wolves ate them all up. They made that first half count because Wolverhampton Wanderers, I don't know if it, whether it was due to the fact that Everton just weren't at the races in the first 45. It didn't seem like it anyway. I don't know if they had a shot. They might have had one or two. But Wolves looked so good in that first 45 minutes. And it was so important that when Kilman scored, they were able to get a second because so many times you see teams ironically against Wolves go 1-0 up at half time but then Wolves then come back and go no we're going to get this win and well, you saw it against Aston Villa really when they, they only won 3-2 even though that was 0-0 at half time but um, yeah getting that second goal through him and Ezka him getting another goal his first since I believe when they played Southampton and he got the winner there yeah 2-0 at half time they didn't look that impressive in the second half maybe it's because Rafa Benitez shot shot a rocket up of some of them and uh, yeah Wobi got one back but I feel like it was a much deserved win even if it was just on the first 45 minutes alone absolutely and both goals pretty significant as well Max Kilman his first ever Wolves goal he's been um, pretty solid in that back line this year after kind of featuring here and there last year and fading out um and Jimenez, as Harry said, first goal at Molyneux for over a year and his 50th for Wolves. Um, in, in, he's racked, racked them up fairly quickly, you would have to say. Um, but no, I I completely agree with Harry. I think they were fully deserving of it. And the turnaround that Wolves have had since the start they made has been really impressive too. Up to yeah. seventh. Yeah, up to seventh. Although we should say it was only the first three games and they st- they still played pretty well in the yeah, first three, I mean, that's, three, that's didn't exactly they? what we said. Other yeah. people weren't too sure. I remember me and Alex having a conversation with a mutual friend about their level of performance and we said, no, yes, they've lost, I believe it was all three of their first games, 1-0, but these guys are having 25-plus shots a game. They're not deserving to lose this many and I think how many was it against 10 10 against uh, Everton it does feel like they've changed slightly because they're not smacking shots in from anywhere uh, they've gone from about 25 a game to about 8 to 8 to 12 and to be fair it's looking like it's more successful 16 points out of 10 games though they're taking that at the start of the season yeah um, uh, obviously now 16 out of 21 points uh, 5 unbeaten um, and as you guys said uh, uh, climbing up the table there um, first time they've had back-to-back wins since July 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, but I think it really just shows how how bad it was towards the end of um, Nuno's era. Um, they were at Wolves and obviously uh, also a departing man from Tottenham Hotspur this week. Mm. I feel a bit of sympathy for Nuno actually after the, the Spurs departure. Yeah, I do because I think I don't know. It, it's it was clear that he wasn't wanted there by Tottenham Um, and I think he went in there and didn't give a didn't have a terrible stab at it the results might not have been great in recent weeks and I can see the other side of the coin that it probably a change was probably needed but I don't think Nuno was the problem there I just think it's a long-term problem the problem which maybe Conte can fix I, I think know. that's the issue that a lot of people when Conte now I don't know how we've gone to this but how Conte's now come in and I think he's going to do brilliantly you're going to say yeah Nuno was the problem whereas actually mm. I think Conte is top three managers in the world that he could change any one situation mm. he could put Saints into Europa League he could keep Norwich up he could put Burnley <laughs> I don't know to, about into that. oh I, could, I think he can do anything <laughs> he wants but uh, yeah I, I think he'll do really well there and yeah it'll be interesting to see where Nuno goes next I think we'll leave it there that's that, that's perfect that, that'll be the end of part one in part two we'll discuss the championship Welcome back to part two of the Midlands Football Show. Um, still here, still going through the championship. And the great thing about West Bromwich Albion is they're still kind of semi-good. Um, after a 3-0 loss to Fulham, which everyone's been losing to Fulham. They're a very, very good football team. They've just been swatting teams aside and Alexander Mitrovic getting a hat-trick and just being amazing. Uh, 1-0 victory versus Hull with... Um, Grant getting another one is exactly what West Bromwich Albion fans would want to see um, them back on track after such a disappointing defeat on the weekend. 
Yeah, well, I think it's his fourth match-winning goal of the season, so it really shows his importance for West Brom's promotion push. I mean, they're 31 points now. They've sort of gone win, loss, win, loss, win. So next game's going to be a loss, but then after that's going to be a win if they change or if they keep going in that way. Four points off of Fulham now, which it seems so weird to think Fulham have been that good. But the fact that Bournemouth until well, when we were calling this yesterday, they've been that much better that they're still two points in front is is quite impressive really. But yeah, they did they did really well just to just to get past Hull City really. Then obviously they had the three 0 win against Bristol City the game before last or obviously before that. So yeah, I think they're doing quite well. I think we should point out as well that the um the Fulham defeat, while it looks bad on paper, a three nil defeat, I think it was a game of quite fine margins to be honest. Um I think I saw some suggestions from a few West Brom fans that maybe the furlong red card was a little bit harsh, uh, but the fact they've recovered from it really well with that win over Hull. You would expect them to beat Hull, but it's not always that simple. They've managed it. Middlesbrough at the weekend, I think they're going to break up that rhythm of defeat, win, defeat, win. I think it might be another win on Saturday, um, and Grant's in really good shape, as Harry said. I I would disagree with the West Brom fans there. I thought it was a red card. You thought so? I did. I thought it was a red card. I think it was one of our lecturers at the Uni of Derby who was in the stadium who was saying that from his view from the away end, he thought it looked a little bit off. Is is he the West Bromwich Albion fan, Baron? He is the West Bromwich Albion fan. (laughs) Of course he's going to say this. Um, He he might have changed his mind since checking the highlights. But it, uh, it was a red card. Okay. It was a red card. I'll trust you on this one, Alex. It was a red card. Um, moving on, Coventry City. Um, Harry's mentioned some weird patterns going on with West Bromwich Albion, but Coventry City, what are you doing? You're losing at home and you're winning away. This is not the not the deal we signed up for. You're meant to be very good at home and really poor away. What's going on here? <laughs> Another 1-0 win for a Midlands team over Hull City. Um yeah, that was an important one for Coventry. It's only their second away league win this season. Um, as you say, we're not really used to it, but that would have been a big one for Mark Robbins. Then the Swansea defeat will hurt, I think, um, because that record has been so strong. And they have made it a fortress. I'm not saying this defeat will mean it's no longer a place where people are... Um, where people go knowing it's going to be a tough place because I think that's definitely still the case and Swansea are a very good team under Russell Martin Um, but Coventry will be keen on Saturday to make sure that that defeat is a rare one they're back at home they've got Bristol City um, so they'll be eyeing up that one Is there only a level of worry though that they've only won one in their last five? I think so, yeah but I think we should also consider... um, that at the start of the season no one was touting them to be up there and also teams are allowed to have a blip in a 46 mm. game season and um, the reason why they've only won the one game in five is because Gokarez hasn't scored in any of them yeah he's a, he's had a quiet quiet spell uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of a quiet patch and that was something that you said a couple of weeks ago boom was you did say boom. on this podcast you did say if Gokarez's goals dry up so would Coventry's form and you were exactly right. Yeah, and they say. have dried up, and so has Coventry's form. But again, do we look at it or what George just said there and say, hang on a minute, it is just a blip. It is 46 games this season. They're allowed to perform well for 35 of them and still probably get playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're only two points out oh, from Huddersfield to a seventh at the moment. So if they want to stay in that playoff position, they better pick up their fall quite soon. Yeah, uh, but most Midland sides that we, we've discussed, like uh, West Brom, um, like... Coventry like Stoke they've all really used Bristol City as kind of that whipping boy when they need to get get some points West Brom did it um, Stoke also did it as well um, Birmingham as well they they, they bounced back with it a, a winner Bristol City as well we probably might get on to um, no Forest didn't play them that's ignore me but uh, a lot of a lot of people use Bristol City as a whipping boy will Coventry do it again um, apologies to Bristol City fans but if you're listening to this podcast you're probably listening to the wrong podcast sorry um, but yeah hopefully Coventry City fans um, get back on on track and move there anything else on Coventry before I move on I don't think so no, no. I think we're no, all good on the Coventry ready to go we're struggling on energy here so no, yeah, it's been a long day boys <laughs> it's been a very long day for us all um, 
Birmingham City, we'll move from the Sky Blues to the just the Blues. Uh, Birmingham City, we have criticised Birmingham over the last couple of weeks for um, lacklustre wins and very, very poor performances. But back-to-back victories, 2-0 win over Middlesbrough, which we said would be a good game for them to win over because Neil Warnock's side are a very, very well-organised team. And then, as I've just said there, a 3-0 absolute whipping over Bristol City. Um, which is very, very good for them. Well, um, technically, back to back to back. That's three wins mm-hmm. in a row for them. And yep. now, we know we talked about them being a bit dangerous in terms of the relegation zone after what being winless in six, seven, eight, nine games, not scoring in, I think, one of those as well. And that was right at the start of the run. But now, three points outside the playoffs. That's why I love the championship in League One because at any point, if you win three games consecutively, you'll be maximum four or five points away from the playoffs. And that's exactly what Birmingham have done right now. Yeah, they definitely look like they're back on track. I think it's important to say as well that they're not just winning, but they're winning games convincingly, back-to-back clean sheets. Um, So that will be really pleasing for Lee Bowyer. I think it's Reading for them at the weekend. So another team who are not in very good shape at all. I think they'll fancy their chances in that too. Deeney's found a bit of form. We said he'd be key mm. for them. The only problem is now that they're going to be out without Chong for 16 mm. weeks from a freak injury apparently. So, A, I'll be interested to see how they did that, but that's a that's a big blow there. A real massive, big blow. A massive blow for them because everybody said when he went, when Chong went to them, they were like, oh my God, what a signing that is. That's probably the best loan sign in the championship. But uh, I will build up before you go there. It's not just Reading that's um, the team's in disarray. They're two teams after a Hall and Coventry. Mm. So we could be looking at a really, really tidy run from Birmingham here. We really, really could. Uh, you were going to say something, George Go. I was just going to say on on Chong, it, it seems the hype around him seems to have quietened down. I mean, that has probably gone hand in hand with Birmingham's dip in form, but even so hopefully, hopefully he recovers quickly because he, he can be a player of real value to them 100% but big players and players that are ready for that next level would grab the game by the scruff of the neck mm-hmm. and, and just do it and he hasn't done that which shows why he's on loan at this level absolutely um, and hopefully yeah thoughts and prayers are with him and we, we want him to progress and get better because it means good things for Manchester United if he, if he does and it means that we get to see um absolutely amazing young players still perform Stoke City um, what a game at the weekend that was absolutely unbelievable game of the weekend in the championship that was 3-0 up after 46 minutes bottled it and Cardiff City drew 3 all. yeah I've heard you Alex use the term bottle before and I've questioned it but I'm not going to question it on this occasion to, to hold that lead and blow it as quickly as they did because it wasn't like Cardiff scored their third goal in stoppage time all three goals were in real quick succession go on five minutes all within a five minute period all within a five minute period yeah to to somehow do that is quite astounding but it's not astounding in a positive way imagine being a home fan for that just seeing unbelievable basically you're, you're all nice and tidy and then five minutes later you're drawing with a team that have you know, lost their last eight. So I, I think that result left them with a real need to get a result at Blackpool, and thankfully they did. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Fletcher's goal, 11 minutes from time, um, really important because they were five games without a win. Um, and I was starting to worry a little bit after we'd been so impressed by Stoke in the early weeks of the season. You know, this period now, as we approach Christmas, there's a lot of games taking place um, so it was important that they got another win on the board just to go into this period with a bit more confidence and I think that win at Blackpool is really good because Blackpool themselves have made a strong start and they're probably going to be a team who Stoke are going to be competing with in those playoffs. I know there's so many teams around that area but it still really important that win also yeah. also good for Stoke as well that Fletcher's coming into form you know it's his first three goals of the season have come in his last two games obviously two you know in his one previous against Cardiff the, the match winner against Blackpool like you said 11 minutes of time it was so crucial to come out of that game with a 1-0 win just mm-hmm. to turn the form around and now technically they're unbeaten in two even though they should really have back-to-back wins yeah and the next three fixtures of Luton Peterborough and Bristol City are really, really key. 
because realistically they should have three wins from them. Luton are having a good so. Luton are having a good season, yes, but Peterborough they they're a sneaky one. Um, but especially with it being at home. Um, at the Bet365 Stadium uh, they should win that game mm-hmm. and yes Bristol City away is difficult for anyone but as we've just said Bristol City are kind of the Midlands whipping boys so hopefully they'll be able to do that and we, we could be looking at Stoke unbeaten in five potentially and that's something that we all want to see and they'll shoot they'll right be, up that table I think they'll be taking it they'll be taking slower steps than that yes, they won't be course. thinking too but I, I, I take your point those fixtures do look good on paper Moving on down to Pride Park um, and Derby County, Blackburn Rovers, Ben Brenton Diaz. What a lad that guy is. Unbelievable. Um, obviously scoring a double at the weekend for them and they're so nearly fought back. Cousin uh, Richards hitting the post in the last minute of time. Unbelievable. I- I've heard from people who were at the game, it wasn't like Blackburn were that good. Derby were just that poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously 1-0 up against Barnsley and losing that 2-1 that cannot happen when you're in that position it cannot but it does happen but it, it does. happens a lot it in the championship so lot but you cannot especially in Derby's position bottom of the league hoping to nearly get out of it really really pushing it with a potential relegation candidate in Barnsley as well you cannot allow that to happen to yourselves you really can't the problem is sometimes when it rains, it pours. You look at when they lost against Blackburn, it just sort of gets rid of the good feeling at the club. If you're on an unbeaten run of, what, seven, eight games, even if the majority of those were draws, I think at least four, five, six of those were draws, you're still on an unbeaten run. When you lose to Blackburn, who have, you know, following that game, lost 7 0. It does take the wind out of sails a bit and then they come up against a Barnsley team who have that not new manager bounce because they, they've not got one at this point but they've got you know a new face in the dugout like say sort of Charlton when they sacked Nigel Adkins they beat Sunderland and they, they beat Doncaster I believe after that as well. You look at that now and think yeah they've gone 1-0 up but when they go 2-1 down it's, it's difficult to fight back from that and the problem is now is that Derby for anything at least they seem to always get you know either a clean sheet or only concede one goal and they always look defensively relatively stable now they conceded two against Barnsley two against Blackburn and, and maybe that sort of that side of their game has gone as well yeah I can't quite put my finger on the reason why that has happened I'm not sure whether their system has maybe been found out a little bit by other teams I don't think it helps when um when they don't really have a goal scorer up top I know Baldock found the net at Oakwell but he's not really prolific enough I'm going to say so, or done enough so when when you're relying on your defence to pull off that clean sheet every time and you haven't got you know it's it's almost not to compare it to Norwich too much my own team but um, we haven't got enough goals in the team at all so when we concede we pretty much know that's game over or we're not going to win the game because we don't tend to come from behind when we go down I, I think um, Derby almost feeling a little bit like that as well And uh, but the problem with that is and agree with me or disagree with me if you wish but the prob- the main problem with that is is that is relegation like a, an outlook on relegation mm-hmm. you are going to get relegated if you concede because uh, the championship is one of the most free-flowing goal-scoring leagues in the world goals fly in in that league mm-hmm. it's unbelievable so the fact that you think you can keep defensive solidity when your two centre-backs are around about the average age of 78 you cannot do that no that absolutely not. it's not a sustainable model I think it's a you lesson that goals. I think it's a lesson that Rooney will have learned over the last few weeks but it's important that Derby show that they've learned from it ASAP really because you know when they've had the deduction like they have rightly or wrongly um, that gap will quickly widen yeah um, so yeah they need to recover I think it's Millwall for them on Saturday it is mm. big game for them mm-hmm. absolutely for them. Um, I will I will ask you a question um, and it's a tongue-in-cheek question about Derby before we move on to extra time. I will ask you a very quick question. Um, do you think Wayne Rooney occasionally just looks at himself in the mirror and says, I could do better than half these players still? Uh, I, d- 
I don't it's get that. I don't get that impression. Um, it is it is tongue in cheek, of course. Um, no, I I think I do believe him when he says that he believes in the players, and I I know that's maybe me falling for the stuff he's saying. But I I do think I do think he's developed that connection with them now, and he's developed the connection with the fans as well. Um, I I I would really like to see them come through this, as unlikely as it is. Yeah, everybody would, wouldn't they? Um, Harry, you would as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same as you two. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the extra time this week. Extra time's a little bit different. Okay, first of all, we're only doing two teams because pretty much all the rest of the teams are really interesting this week, um, with the exception of Walsall. But um, we did Walsall last <laughs> week, and George told me I can't no, have no, Walsall no, in two, not, two not, times. I'm not accepting that Walsall had a boring <laughs> week. <laughs> 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 um, so we, we can't do Walsall two weeks in a row. It would be unfair to the Walsall fan that listens to our <laughs> podcast, um, uh, because I'm assuming there's only one, the small club that they are. Bless them. Oh, so much. No, I, don't, I don't stand by that comment. That's, <laughs> that's not very nice. <laughs> that's out of order. Um, I apologise to the one Walsall fan that listens to our more. podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do for extra time this week is there's only two teams. I'm going to cover Nottingham Forest and Burton. And normally we break so we can do League One and Two um, there in part three. This week we're not going to do that. We're just going to do... Um, part two is going to be League Two. Or part three is going to be League Two, sorry. And then um, we'll do whatever it is and finish the podcast and get out of here so um gentlemen are you ready to time me for this i think so I'm yeah always ready you going ready? with forest first yes i uh, will be going with nottingham forest first okay ready when you are three two one go uh two one all draws for nottingham forest one versus sheffield united the other versus qpr Forrest needed a 91st minute winner from guess who? That main man, Jack Colback, of all people, <laughs> to secure themselves points against QPR. And then Lewis Graben grabbed them back into the game after Morgan Gibbs-White rescued them. Um, Preston, Redden and Luton next. Possibly into the playoffs after this. We'll see. Okay, that was just over 30 seconds. Mm. One thing I will say is that you said that Jack Colback scored a winner. Oh, it was an equaliser. I apologise. Yeah. It was is, an equaliser. I, 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 ne- I nearly stepped in, but I thought he's, he's in he's I, in. A I rhythm. was in the zone. I was in the zone. Jack um, Colback, though, of all people. That ginger messiah. <laughs> um, for the Burton Albion one, do you want me to count you in? Because yes, that, that, that felt... That felt almost wrong that you were being you were counting yes, yourself. Yes, that would be great if that's okay. That's absolutely fine. So I'll I'll start on three. Yep. If you're ready now, for Burton Albion. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Misery for Burton this week. Um, a red card versus Wigan when they were already down one. It killed the game. They ended up finishing 2-0. Now, an interesting week follows for a lot of League 1 and League 2 sides. Burton are not out of the inclusion. Fleetwood in the FA Cup. Wiccan in the FA Trophy and then Charlton in the league. An interesting week. Three competitions, three games, one week. Big week for the season for the uh, for the Brewers. Yeah, 28 seconds. That's not bad. That time, Alex. That's not bad. That's I think it was... It was Johnny Smith who got sent off, wasn't it? Yes. Um, he was quite apologetic on Twitter, I think. I'm sure the Burton fans will forgive him because every time I've seen him play for Burton, he has looked he is, really sharp. He is very good for He them. is very good. He is very good for them. Um, But I think they'll fancy their chances for that Fleetwood game because uh, Fleetwood they, beat, the they, beat, they beat them in the league only two weeks ago. Yeah, and um, they're, they're not having a great season this season. No. Uh, maybe so. sacking Joe Barton wasn't the right idea. <laughs> Um, anyway, we will um, break now and we'll see you guys back for part three where we'll discuss the rest of the League Two teams. Welcome back to part three of the Midlands Football Show. Um, Port Vale, let's have a bloody party, eh? 4-1 win over Crawley. Literally three points behind top of the league. What is this madness? 
I don't know why you sound surprised. It happens every week. Oh, no. every Believable. Week. We have never talked about a team in this podcast that has been top of the league like this. We are invested in this Port Vale. We've had West Brom there. Nah, yeah, well, it's West Brom in it. <laughs> They're expected to be at the top um, of the league. Port yeah. Vale. This resurgence, this life of Port Vale, this podcast is invested. Absolutely. And Ben Derber, who we had on last week, who we asked a couple of questions to, he was very pleased with that Crawley win. Um, as you would be. I mean, when they were 1-0 down at half-time, I'm sure they were questioning what was going on, but Daryl Clark must have sorted them out at half-time. An excellent second-half performance. Seven wins from their last nine league matches. Um, they've got Accrington Stanley in the FA Cup on the weekend. That's not going to be a priority for Vale by any stretch. I think you know they kind of had their day out at Man City two years ago. Not that they'd be against getting to the third round and playing another team, but I think the focus this year is rightly going to be on the league for them because they look like they've got a real chance. Um, signs suggest, yeah, they're in for a good season. They wouldn't take a win. A win at Arkansas Stanley wouldn't be a bad thing. But, uh, Certainly hey, not. He no. didn't say that. It's a difficult game, though. Yeah. It is a difficult game. And uh, like the other really amazing thing for them is as well, they got a difficult draw in their trophy as well. They got Liverpool under twenty ones in the trophy. Mm-hmm. That's a really difficult game. Like there's what four or five players in that uh, that Liverpool under twenty ones team that could be first teamers. Yeah, depending on how seriously they've been taking it, yeah, which I'm like, not too uh, sure on. But. Unbelievable, like amount of talent that are in there so yes they definitely could do that and then Bradford in the league as well that's a really difficult game mm-hmm. um, so uh, depending on w- how much he really wants to focus on these two competitions the league as you said rightly George could m- ideally be the priority and Bale fans do not get upset if they lose these two games the league is the more important thing the thing is you look at Accrington that that could be a good game just to sort of test where their levels are that's the thing playing a team in a higher division that might be a good test to see are they do they have the credentials do they have the minerals to play in league one yeah uh, especially where Accrington normally sit which is a, a backstanding mid-table club uh, are that lot so yeah that I completely agree with you there Harry that is a really really good point well done well done, Harry. Thank you. Well done, Harry. I think. <laughs> You'd make a good one every week. Uh, we'll move on to Mansfield very quickly. Massive win versus Tranmere. We have all we said that now Cluffy was under pressure. Is some of it relieved now with that win? Some of it, yeah. I'd, I'd not a lot of it. Definitely not all of it. <laughs> um, but he he would have been incredibly relieved, as will the Mansfield fans, because um, twelve games without a win was pretty torrid run um, but a goal and an assist for Reese Oates in that win over Tranmere um, and from what I've from what I've read and from what I've seen it would appear that they were deserving of all three points so yeah I'm, I'm pleased that that run is over um, I think it's Sunderland for them in the FA Cup isn't it it is they've not looked good recently no Sunderland have been on a stinking run the last they really have I say this with a ginormous Cheshire grin yeah I can confirm it is a Cheshire grin um, but no again um, oh, bless them. Mansfield would probably enjoy a cup run um, but Clough's priority has to be building off that Tranmere result in the league if, if they get a result against Sunderland is that better for them than if they get a result in the league next week? Uh, I mean, I don't really know what they're going to do with a win against Sunderland. If that makes sense, yeah, they'll get to league. They'll get How to far in the two. cup are they going to get? Maybe then, like, even if they got one in the second round official, would that be a good season for them? Or, I mean, or not? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's the third know. round. Pull a big team, and it helps their budget in a time where COVID's had a big impact. Then fair enough. But for me, survival of League Two, that that's more likely to keep Clough's job than a a League One fixture. Is it away at Sunderland's? Mm-hmm. Well, I believe, yeah. And again, they're not really expected to win with no pressure, where they could probably rotate their team and be ready for the league. And same with Sunderland, really. If I was them, I'd prefer just as much as a cup run is nice for the exact place that they're in. I prefer, if you're giving me an option of two, even though I would love both, it would be a league win rather than a cup win because that will do more for their season. And a 1 0 win over Sutton United um, is Walsall's. That's what they got up to at the weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know why you're 
downplaying this, a win on the road, which extends their run, their unbeaten run, I should say, to six league games. Very good. They, they've turned the corner, Alex, and you're trying to play it down. Um, no, the only goal of the game was scored by a low knee from another Midlands club, Leicester City. Um, his name Tyree is Shade. Tyree Shade, indeed. Um, but no, I'd say that's a pretty good win. Gander Green Lane. Arsenal went there a few years ago. They they didn't have much fun there. I know they got through, but <laughs> yeah, that that entire point is just really weird. Yeah, no, that's yeah. That's... I'll be honest. I I don't know a great deal about Sutton United. But I don't think anyone does. Not even any, United fans. Any win on the road should be commended. Okay. Um, Walsall are only three points outside the playoffs now. Wowzers! Um, yes. So it's but, time we started taking them seriously. But is it? Uh, it's one of them in League Two, and we've discussed this. We discussed this last uh, last week on the pod that League Two's playoff, um, like from playoffs all the way down to something like fourteenth, is a joke. It is. So and, and it's, it's similar in the Championship, so, isn't it? So yeah, but like, but it's that, still about that, that needs that uh, that needs adding on there. Yeah. To say that yes, they're only three points from the playoff, but the the points tightness from that is a joke. Mm-hmm. So let's. Let's really be uh, with a win, they could be in the playoffs, but also with a loss, they could be like 16th. Yeah, fair point. So, I will have that. Like, uh, yes, they get the, they get a commendation for six games unbeaten, and Matty Taylor's really turned the side around. And we were worried about Walsall at the beginning of the season because the end of the last season they were torrid, and obviously the sacking of the previous manager it went down like a chocolate fire guard. It was awful. It was absolutely terrible. And then we've questioned the whole club as a model and how how it's run, but it actually seems to be working this season with Matty Taylor. Yeah, and they've got a lovely trip to the nicest part of the country on Saturday, East Anglia. Oh, are, to, they, uh, are, are they playing Ipswich? They're not, no. They're playing... That wouldn't, that wouldn't fit into the <laughs> nicest part of the country. They're off to Norfolk to face uh, Kingsland Town in the FA Cup. Oh, Of the big National one. League. Yeah, Kingsley. big one. Big, big, big one. That will be a good game. I think I they'll think. fancy themselves to go through. Yeah, but, of course, um, absolutely. Again, especially with the form they're on and the fact Kings are in a league, league below them. Mm-hmm. But they've got to remember that Kings Lynn have had to play two more games in this competition. Very true. So um, that's the way that, that that cookie crumbles. And I think we'll get out of here now. Um, so I'll say thank you to you, Mr. Harry Tizard. Thank you very much, Alex. And a thank you to you, Mr. George Wilson. Thank you, Alex. Enjoyed right. it. I did as well. Uh, it's been a long day for us, boys, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, yeah. It has. It's been a really behind long the day scenes. For us. They'll never know. <laughs> behind the scenes, they'll never know. It's been a long old day for us all. Um, right. So we will see you guys this time next week. Until then, goodbye. Bye bye.